Hello, and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Socks. And I'm Lori Socks. And today's our first episode of 2022. It's a new year. Happy New Year, everyone. A time for new beginnings. Traditionally, the calendar motivates us into those new beginnings. In New Year's resolutions. We have never been once for New Year's resolutions in January. I think, we, I think we've mentioned that before. I feel like it puts an unnecessary stress on this if we say it on January 1st. So I typically at the end of November or in December will start to look at my year and think about things that I want to change, what worked for me, what didn't work for me. And that way I don't have that burden of this. Res- I think there's a statistic about resolutions and how long it takes for them to fail. Yeah, I never start a diet in January ever. I don't start an exercise program. I don't, all of that. I really try to make changes as I go. It stems from, I think, a thought process of you can make a change at any moment in your life. And it's what we try to teach our kids too, is that there's something not going right and you want to make a change, do it. You don't have to wait for a certain day. You don't have to wait for the end of the week or for Monday. And it helps with when you're not so happy with yourself uh, of things. And so, uh, hey, I can change that now. Right now. And also, uh, we want to set ourselves up for success, right? And there's something about a resolution that puts that pressure. And to be honest, I don't, I don't need to add pressure <laughs> to my life. <laughs> I want to set us up for success. I want to set my kids up for success, our family up for success. And one thing I always tell Sophia is I'm there to support her. And, you know, life is going to come at you with different challenges. I don't want to make the challenges for my life. I want to use my energy doing other things. So that being said. We made a change. Right. You know, one thing about this journey as an advocate that I've learned that was a really hard lesson was I do my best and sometimes things don't go how I want them. I can advocate and make those changes in our lives. But what we went through in December was a real learning experience because we've been we've been going Liam has been attending this same elementary school that his sister went to so we've really been a part of that community for like 10 years for 10 years we've been a part so we know we know the school we volunteer we're a part of the school committees and committees PTA PTA, friends it's been different because of COVID. We we haven't really been on campus for the last two years and we've been teaching Liam at home, but still we're part of that community and community is important to life. Wherever, whatever your community is, whatever, if it's, you know, just what we were talking about the dry cleaner around the corner, whether it's like that, going to that dry cleaner and knowing those people and, you know, that's part of your community, the faces that you see. And especially in the pandemic, so important, so important to our healing and our mental health. And we've spoken about the fact that the journey with Liam and his education differs so profoundly from what Sophia experienced. 
Not just on his end. On our end, what we experience. And the relationship that we have no, with I'm the school not, is... No, I'm saying not the profoundly different because of him. Oh, no, not him. No, not Liam. Liam works so... Yeah, you're right. Not I'm not talking about Liam's because Liam works his butt off. And Liam's doing great. And with our support, actually, not even just... If anybody would just support him and implement his accommodations, they would have seen it. But with the support of his accommodations that are in his IEP, he's... He was thriving. He's thriving. He's learned to read. He does math independently. All of that stuff that they said he couldn't do. You mean do. profoundly different. Of the treatment of the school. Yes. The limits that are put on Liam when yeah. we sit in those IEPs, which we've had so many um, conversations about IEPs, being told he belongs in a special day class, being trying to take him off curriculum, being told of all the things he will never do when those things were never spoken about Sophia. So that was something that... We really had to figure out when dealing with the school, when having a relationship, when being a part of the community. And to be honest, it always felt like a lie. It always felt like there was some kind of lie that we were hiding this secret. Whenever we would be a part of the community and create these great events and do this stuff and see all the participation, in the back of my mind, I, I was always so aware of the lack of inclusion. I was so aware of the fact that myself and so many of my friends that are on the same journey fighting for their their children's rights to an education and supports, whatever their learning difference is, I I saw how differently we were treated, how differently our children were treated and their education and just the lack of inclusion that was so blatant that it wasn't even an issue. Like in an event uh, that we created, it was a inclusive film festival last year. And one of the comments made by the principal about after watching one of these films about inclusion were, so yeah, if you see your friend and he can't participate on the apparatus because he's got a disability, well, that right to just say that sentence is, well, why don't you get yourself an accommodated apparatus? The fact that the lack of inclusion was just okay with so many people. It was just okay. That's just how it's going to be. Johnny just can't participate. So if you see not Johnny not being able to participate over there alone, wave to him from, from your from your apparatus. He didn't say wave to him. I forget what it was. I was I I to be honest, I stopped it. Did he just say that? <laughs> I stopped at the sentence of, you know, so if someone can't participate because People not being able to participate, not having equality there was just okay. And we saw that and it was hard. And so I finally spoke up. So when people would have these conversations, the conversations that I usually bit my tongue about, you know, different changes or different things, I would say, you do realize that parents are leaving the school because they're being told that there's no place for their child. You do realize that there's no accommodations available for, for children and that there's resource teachers missing and nobody cares, but the music teachers is leaves and, you know, they, there's a rush to get a new music teacher. And we started to really point out, not even point out, we just, I feel like it was we're just going to be, and we're not going to hide. Like, you know, honestly, the, it's, it's somewhat of an abuse. The, the non-implementation, the, the violation of our child's right to an education. And then 
this year we were actually told, this is what we're going to do. Don't tell anybody about it, but he doesn't have a place in the school, but don't tell anyone because we don't want any eyes on it. We were told yeah, that. Yeah, it, it, it became a, an abusive relationship. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we were told whatever he does, he doesn't have to do any work because it doesn't count. It doesn't matter. And I can't think of any other student or child they would say that to or about or any other parent that they would have the nerve to say that to. But they said that to us, expecting us to just say, oh, okay, he doesn't count. His work doesn't matter. Those words were spoken to us many times. And admittedly, one of my challenges in life is, and I don't know if it's a challenge, honestly, for me, most of the time, it's a gift that I just see people for their best qualities. But the challenge is I don't always see the negative, I make it into what I want to make it into. And rightfully so, as we're going through this community, you make it into what you need to make it into in order to have the energy to do the work that you need to do to support your child, to advocate, to bring awareness. You, so you, you take this, but there, maybe it was because it was the last year. I don't know. Yeah, but then there's a point where you just have to ask yourself what you're fighting for. Yeah, what are we fighting for? Why are we doing this when it's no longer a secret? Like people are actually saying things to us that, you know, in... um Bruce Almighty, when he's driving, and he's like, I just need a sign. And there's all these road signs. Stop. <laughs> Danger ahead. Turn. Yeah, Don't right. go forward. What are you doing? And that's, that is really what it was. It was like, you can't, we couldn't hide or make it into anything other than it was. And it was just gross negligence. And, you know, we, my thing was I, I wanted him, he couldn't go into school until he had a vaccination. And that's a whole, I think we'll do another episode if we want to rehash everything that happened, but it's gross and ugly. And it's a, it's a sad, sad story. I didn't mean to laugh. It's a sad, sad story of the injustice that I think too many of our friends experience. And I'm, but I'm hopeful that it changed because we listen to stories about the change, which is, I'm so thankful that coming behind us is, is change. I'm so thankful for any parent who doesn't have to go through this and experience this. I, I wanted Liam to be able to come back to that school and participate in the Christmas pageant after two years, nearly two years of home, being at home and being such a good sport about, I wanted him to participate in the Christmas pageant. And I, you know, I pushed and I did a lot of legwork to try to get it and get the work because nobody was supporting Liam at all. So I had to make emails. And, and I think maybe the first thing was when the music teacher finally gave me the music and, and the teacher arranged for me to pick up a bell so he could practice at home. And I was told, you should be thankful that your teacher went above and beyond. And this was something that within a few weeks was said to me, often how thankful I should be that people went above and beyond to include Liam because that's what they thought. It's not above and beyond. It's it's human and it's the law. It's the minimum. It's the minimum because we all go above and beyond for everybody. We make efforts for each other, period. So why is it different? Because my son has Down syndrome. And why should I be told that I need to be thankful. I was told I need to be thankful. I was told in a PTA meeting 
that we're not going to ask the teacher to go above and beyond to provide accommodations for Liam. This was a friend who said this to me. And in that moment of clarity, I knew that this is a through line of thinking. And I think why I hadn't seen it before was because we were a part of this small community that were advocating for inclusion and change. And we were amongst people that were on our same journey. And I just, I hadn't seen it. I wasn't so aware that our belief, that how we felt, wasn't really what permeated the belief system of the school. Right. And it wasn't until I heard a friend use those words above and beyond, thinking that a teacher putting the effort in to support my son was going above and beyond, that I understood. And I have often, we have often looked to the song, I remember early on with Sophia, (laughs) the song, The Gambler by Kenny Rogers. I don't know if you know it, if you don't. Great song. Yeah, it's a great song. With Sophia when she was like two and she would have these tantrums and stuff. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And somehow the song, The Gambler, um, was just perfect parenting advice at the time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and if you're not familiar with it, it, it pretty much just sums up parenting. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away and know when to run. Yep. And it came back to me and got to know when to hold them, when to fold them, when to walk and when to run. And it was just about that same time when we had our last IEP meeting and we were told by the administrator that the priority was not to uphold Liam's right to an education her priority was that she had a job to keep. That nearly that was, ended the IEP. That was like, thank you, goodbye. It was like, thank you, mic drop. I there's, mean, there's there's nothing you can say yeah. after that. There's nothing as a parent that you can say. Like, In fact, right away, I, I couldn't think I was, of ever bringing him into school again. No. I don't know how I could um, trust dropping him off at school if he's not the his education is not the priority. The, the actual conversation was you violated his right to an education because they didn't give him a placement this year. Wrap your head around that. And the administrator's reply was, I have a job to keep. That was her actual reply. I have a job to keep. And it was like, You've got to be kidding. I mean, for for years, for the entire time that he's been at that school, that's been our suspicion that they didn't care, but nobody was ever bold enough to say, my job is more important than your son's right to an education. Nobody. I mean, they would, uh, they would feign doing the work. They would, and some people did do the work and try, and we understand the whole thing with like district and their hands being tied or whatever. And we've sat through many horribly painful meetings, but no one has ever been so bold to tell us to our face in a Zoom meeting with other people sitting there being recorded, I have a job to keep. Not only does it hurt in a personal level, but it just passes the buck again is what we've gotten. And I think a lot of people experience that where the the, the, the teacher may say, well, it's not my thing. It's this other teacher. And that teacher goes, well, I can only do this much. I've got a, a lot of case. I've got a large caseload. And then, oh, the principal says, well, we don't have the funds. or It keeps going. The buck gets passed. And it's so frustrating for parents that just want the professional in the classroom and the professionals in the school to care and educate 
don't you don't even have to care just educate my son and <laughs> yeah, uphold right. his right just do give equality just yeah. equality and but i guess we should be thankful for her honesty because it really made it like how do you go back right how do you go back when she's made her priority clear so i guess we have to define what that our resolution was is that we took him out of school well it wasn't a right it was hard and you know what it was so hard because uh, in the process over the years i have watched friends have to leave that school for those reasons knowing it's not the right place for their child how can a school not be the right place for their child because what's being put in place that legal binding document is not being upheld it is the school's then obligation to uphold that document and support your child and provide them with an education and the accommodations to access their curriculum, whatever that is, and it's not being done, and the school doesn't pay the price. The consequence lies on the child and the family and the parent, and I've seen so many people leave. And when I've asked why, it's because... They were told or made to feel that there was no place for their child at that school. And that is wrong. I mean, it's wrong that we're put in that situation because we have a right to go to our home school. We have a right for our child to be educated. Our child has a right to an education. That education creates opportunities, creates a foundation, quality of life. And we were denied that. He was denied that with no accountability or thought of consequence or care. Many, many times, oh, we can't wait to have Liam back. We love Liam so much, but not concerned with the, the effect they were having on him. Even just the fact that he had to stay home and they pulled all of his supports, so he had no outside communication with even his providers. So the only really conversations he had were within these walls. It's wrong. We had been pushing for this return to a holiday pageant because we just wanted one good moment, one good memory, one joyful song of bells and kids dressed in their, in their holiday colors and singing and Liam on stage with his peers, proving that he belonged and proving that he was a part of the class, proving proving is like the, the worst word. Proving is a word I'm going to try to take out of that's my resolution. That's your New Year's resolution. That's my New Year's. I'm not going to try to prove anymore because then I had to question, what was I proving? Who was I proving it to? Why did it need to be proven? And who was I doing this for? And it wasn't for Liam. It's not what he needed. He wasn't concerned with the song. And I cried about that holiday pageant. I cried that in the end, we were fighting a losing battle. And I mean, to the very end, because even on the day that Stephen signed Liam out of that school, 10 days after that meeting, a month after they knew when Liam was coming back to school, he still couldn't come back for those last days because his IEP and the accommodations were still not in place because they had removed them accidentally, we were told. Every day after that IEP was just a battle. It was like running that marathon. If you've ever run a marathon or even a mile, like that last block where you see the finish line and you're like, I'm almost done. But then you realize your legs are hurting and that there's a hill. And why did they put a hill here at the end? And it was just every day, just something new. 
something horribly new to where we were. It's just like, you're like, yes, of course. Why, how could, why were we here for so long? Is this new? This can't be new. This is not new behavior. Is this what we've gotten through? And maybe it was our eyes being open, but just this blatant, oh, I had to read the last IEP because they were like, oh, just sign this really quick. And then on the first line, I realized they didn't have our address right. And so I thought, I'm going to read this one. And I've read IEPs in the past, but I didn't, I, I haven't, I haven't read line by line. And I shudder to think what has been in them because reading that IEP line by line was like, you know, that scene in Ratatouille when the, the woman is like poking at the ceiling with a broom saying, get out, get out. And all thinking of a, one, thinking one there's one, one rat. little rat that it's chasing. And all of a sudden the ceiling breaks and all these rats come pouring onto her, that was that last IEP. That was that final IEP. It was like every line and it was overwhelming. I can laugh now. I can say it's like rats falling on your head at the time. It was horrible. And that's what it felt like. And it was exhausting. And it was heartbreaking because I thought, gosh, we're so close to being out, but I have to do this. I have to read it because I have to make my corrections and write my concerns and not let this be what they use. I couldn't let this be the representation of what that meeting was because it wasn't. And so here's what I say. This is what I learned. Read that IEP. I hope is a beautiful recollection of a lovely meeting of a team coming together to support your child. But in case it's not, read it. Highlight and underline every discrepancy or misrepresentation or something that is in the IEP that does not match what was said in your meeting. Yeah. And then there's that part at the end that says concerns and it's not that big. So write C attached pages Yeah. and type yes, did. every concern out. To get it on the record. Get it on the record and put it in there. As your part, because there was a whole conversation at the end that like they summarized what happened in the meeting that didn't really reflect what happened in the meeting. So that's all I ask you is please read those IEPs. And, and you wrote record. eight pages. Eight, we wrote eight pages. So know that you And it was exhausting. That. And you know what? I didn't like doing it. I didn't like sitting there for a weekend and, and doing it, but I had to. I knew that once it was done, it was over. I was done with, even if, it, even if I had to stay in that school, I did it. It was on the record and I was going to move forward for that mo moment. And I feel like that was how I should have done every IEP is just boom, it's on the record. I'm done moving forward. So if I can just, just please read your IEPs, make notes and put your concerns, see attached pages, record every IEP. Audio record. Audio record mm -hmm. every IEP and ask for the logs, ask for your service logs. I can't and put everything in writing. No, I can't tell you how many times they tried to call and leave messages. To the end. And I would, to, to the very Knowing end. Knowing that we had an attorney involved in everything. They wanted to call and talk one-on-one. -on -one. So, so nothing's, and nothing's on, the on the record. And when they do that, send an email saying, I received your emails, I received your message saying this. And then you can respond there or say, please, you know, include my lawyer on all communications or whatever you need to say. But put it in writing. I realize this is like the darkest of dark situations. And I do have such hope of the evolution of society. I do. 
But if you're in this situation where you're battling for the education and the right of your child to an education, these are just things that have really helped us because then it's, it's actually when that, when that paper gets filed, um, it goes on the record. It goes to downtown and that's part of their IEP. And also know that you're not alone. These are, this is coming from two advocates that have an attorney involved a lot of the time, if not all the time. And things like this can still happen. And it doesn't mean to stop advocating. It was heartbreaking. It was, it was heartbreaking to leave. Yeah. It was. And, I, and I'm going to say that because... I had this dream that he was going to graduate. Yes. That was my thought was he's going to graduate from the school and make the school better. And he walked but out he of here with a diploma. The, and the, the, the last like days, the, nothing was... No. He was changed. We were changed. Yeah. The school was the same. And and that's the thing is that we had a dream, especially when they were saying at that very first meeting when they were like, you want him to be held to the same expectations? And there was such a question. And I said, yes, 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 yes. And then when they tried to pull him off curriculum, our, like it was so set in stone that he was going to graduate on curriculum and walk across that playground and shake that principal's hand. And he did it. And that was hard to let go of. But he doesn't have to prove that. He doesn't have to. That's the thing. He has nothing to prove to anybody. You know what I should have said in that very first meeting? Not Liam. I want Liam to be accountable, to held to the same expectation. I want you to be accountable. I want you to meet my expectation to support my son and uphold his right. It doesn't lay on my child. My child will do the work. My child has done the work. You have failed. And I get that your job is hard. I get it. I was sad. I felt like I had failed my child. I wondered why I hadn't done it earlier. Just pulled him out. Maison once said, why would you want them someplace where they're not wanted? And that's so true. Now, I'm not saying that, oh, just because he's not wanted there, he should have left. But I'm just saying, like, what what was it that I, did I ever sacrifice what he needed? I don't know that answer. If I did, I did it was an unintentional. But there was regret and guilt for giving up. I felt like I had given up. And we were fortunate because, honestly, we would have had to have stayed at that school. And that would have just felt horrible. It would just, I don't know. I don't know how we were. We actually were, I don't know how we're going to stay here. And we'd been saying it all year when, because this had started from the beginning of the school year, we'd been saying this all year. Like, how do we stay here? They're saying, they're doing these horrible, horrible things. How do we stay here? Do How do we make it till June? We were lucky to have the opportunity. We were so fortunate to be led to this school. And it was really something that we were looking for for middle school. And then just... One opportunity led to the next, and it just happened that they had a space. And that was such a gift. We're trying to make that the focus because it was such a gift that we were excited for. But then that last like week of school, that constant barrage was really making it hard to stay focused on the fact that there was this opportunity for Liam. And that's what I do want to stay focused on. If we would have had to have stayed there, we would, and we would have made it work. But this opportunity happened, and it's such a great gift because it is an inclusive environment, an inclusive model. 
and I think because of COVID, there was a space. There was a space because people have moved around. Probably, it just yeah, happened to so. be a space. Mm-hmm. Now you can go right into middle school after and this, too. And then we don't have to worry about the lottery that we had signed him up for. Now he goes straight into an inclusive middle school, which middle school was so frightening to us. His new school believes in inclusion. It's part of their mission. It felt like a failure, giving up and walking away. But what I take from it is I know we did our best. Liam did his best. We worked hard and learned a lot. Liam worked hard and learned a lot. We were able to support him in the pandemic and see his ability. And those were all good things. We move forward with that knowledge. And as we move forward, we use those seeds to continue to cultivate a foundation of possibility for Liam. And we're going to do that wherever we are, whatever school he was in. And we can be frustrated or saddened or angered because the state of things is more than wrong. That's the truth. And we know it. But there are also some really great people out there that do care. That want a world of equality and opportunity for everyone. And I believe, I believe that is the truth of the future. I already see it in so many people I meet and the change that is taking place in the world, in our community. And we can know our power as parents. You know, our loved ones and providers, caretakers, we, we are with our loved ones, our children, for many more hours in the day than, than they are at school. Uh, we have constant input into their lives with our words and our supports, and we need to hold on to that power and let that resonate. Let that be the focus. What we came through with Liam's old school, 10 years in the school, eight years of, of fighting for his education, and then knowing when to walk away. Or run. (laughs) And there's a sadness of having to leave. But this is a new year. And this is a new opportunity. And at all times, we are doing our best. And that's a great start for a new beginning. The intention I've set for this year is to heal. I need to heal. Because I was broken. I felt broken because I was hitting myself against an immovable wall. And I can have empathy for that. It doesn't make it right. But I can have empathy. Because empathy feels better than anger in my body. Empathy, I can work towards healing. And I don't know what that journey is going to look like. I don't know what it entails but I know it's what I'm, I'm ready for that because I feel like things are changing. I want to believe what we've come through is an archaic system that is changing. And I want to change. I want to move as far away from those feelings that I felt of hopelessness of sadness, of being overwhelmed, feelings that nobody should have about elementary school. I want to move away from that and into the good stuff because there's so much good stuff in this life, in this journey, and we don't know how much time we have and the moments are so precious. I want to get back to enjoying that good stuff. I look forward to taking the journey 
to continuing to learn and grow and advocate. We wish each of you a year that is filled with peace and safety and health and support and ability, love, a community, all the good things you can think to think. We wish that for you. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod, and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod, or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Thank you.